You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Sam, when I say sweet and sour pork, what comes to mind? Mm, I imagine pieces of deep-fried boneless pork covered in a bright orange sauce. It says cooked food center. I think of the clink of Qingtao beer bottles, uh, the buzz of chatter, and uh, the smell of a delicious dish in front of me. What about you, Shannon? What do you think of when I say sweet and sour pork? It's my mom's favorite Chinese dish. Is that so? I, yeah, she. You know, it's all about the pineapple. You know, the the intertwining of the sweet and the sour and the pineapple is essential.、Uh, growing up, I think mostly it was canned pineapple. But you know, when you get like a slightly fancier version with fresh pineapple with a little bit of the crunch, Ooh. premium. And then there's like a few different sweet and sour porks throughout my life. There's also the Chinese takeaway versions that I've had in the UK,、uh, very comforting. But then also, you know, slightly higher end versions with the slightly crisp and crunchy, almost a sugary taffy exterior.、Mm. So it's a really wide ranging、uh, genre of dishes. I think it's brilliant and a mouth watering genre as well. It is. But wait, you're saying then that there's more than one type of sweet and sour pork? Well. There's actually several. So I think the one you're thinking of really is commonly known as guloyok, the Cantonese version, and that's the version that I grew up with. But you can actually find different takes on the dish pretty much all over China and around the world. To that point,、uh, the sweet and sour pork that I have here at the cooked food center or wherever I may be in Hong Kong, it is actually a little bit different from the the British takeaway version that you mentioned, Charmaine. It's a Saturday night thing. I feel、uh, a lot of people they'll watch the the lowbrow TV, you know, all your dating shows and all that. No <laughs> offense to anybody who likes all that by calling it lowbrow, but everybody will watch that, and a lot of people will accompany that with a Chinese takeaway.、Ooh. And one of the most popular dishes, of course, it's sweet and sour pork in all its glowy redness, gloopiness. Batteriness. Can you remember? Do you have <laughs> memories like that, Charmaine? I mean, you know, like I was always、uh, keen on a little bit of take me out with a bit of a Chinese takeout. If、Perfect. anyone remembers that amazing dating show. Joanna. I really like the way you came down the lift and then you were walking around there like you look like a cowboy in a real light Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> I can be your Woody.、Oh. <laughs> Uh, but I used to live in Southeast London, and there was this amazing little takeaway called Uncle Wrinkle. Shout out! It's still there, and yeah, I think just that little hit of sweet and sour it just takes you back. Takes me back to the Chinese restaurants in Canada. Takes me back to the Chinese restaurants in Hong Kong, and of course, you know, my dad makes really good sweet and sour pork. It's something that we have quite regularly, actually, and he likes to、uh, um, have a crunchier, crisp batter on his, and of course, the fresh pineapple. Which my mom insists on. Very good, and so she should. I like that.、Uh, but to me, then it seems that this dish, rather than having an exact recipe, it's kind of something that can be riffed on, and that's kind of caused there to be quite a few versions of sweet and sour pork. So, Shaman, do you know why are there so many versions of this dish? Well, it's a pretty interesting tale, and you're gonna have to stay tuned to find out. <sighs> I'm Sam Evans, and I'm Charmaine Mock, and, and this, this is, is Eat, Eat Drink, Drink Asia. Asia. To learn more about sweet and sour pork, we're turning to our regular guest, Lisa Cam. Hey, Lisa. Hello, I'm back. So, Lisa, tell us about sweet and sour pork. We see it served in Chinese restaurants here in Hong Kong as well as around the world. But where did the dish originate from? 
Well, I spoke to Chef Jackie Chung from the Cantonese restaurant Yue. And he said sweet and sour pork was evolved from a dish called Tong Chou Pai Guat. That's spare ribs braised in sugar and vinegar. This spare ribs dish was originally from Shanghai, and unlike what sweet and sour pork is today, it wasn't a commonly available dish back then because it was just served to the emperor. But through the years, the dish spread across the country. Soon enough, every region in China created its own take on sweet and sour pork, including Guangzhou, which Cantonese people are from. So what is the Cantonese version of sweet and sour pork then? What sets it apart? The Cantonese version is called gulo yok. Instead of using spare ribs, gulo yok uses pork shoulder, which is boneless. Chef Jackie said this difference can be attributed to a large Western population in Guangzhou. When Westerners first learned about the dish in 1960s, they thought it wasn't very well mannered to be spitting out bones while eating. So the chefs use pork shoulder instead to accommodate their Western customers. How do the two dishes differ in taste then? I think Tong Chou Pai Guat, primarily the difference is that you can really taste the Zhejiang um, vinegar, the Chinese vinegar. And in Gu Lo Yo, it has a much sharper, sour acidity to it. Would you say that, Shemaine? Mm. And I also feel like even just in the color, there's quite a difference. Like the versions that I've had of Tong Chou Pai Guat, they've a bit darker, a bit more brown. Yeah, because Gu Lo Yo sweet and sour pork, a lot of the times the sauce, they use ketchup. Mm. Mm. And the secret ingredient. Yeah, um, they would use ketchup and fruits. So I think it explains a bit of the sharp acidity and the color, maybe. It's like, guluyok seems a bit more fun and funky. It's like the party dish, whereas, you know, tongto guat is a bit more like the, the sophisticated <laughs> dinner party dish. I feel um, it's got more or less to do with the fact that tongto pai guat uses bones. It's a lot less grab-and-go friendly, mm. right? I mean, traditionally in kind of like Chinese culinary kind of practices, cuts closer to the bone has um, more tender meat. That's why you see in a lot of Asian culture, people prefer the mm. spare ribs because the, the meat is considered more tender. And more but, flavorful. Right? Mm. Like the dark meat. Mm. But when you cross that with Western customs where, like, you know, Spitting bones on the side of a, like, you know, during a meal is an absolute no-no. I cannot imagine the Queen or Lady Diana doing that. <laughs> so I think making a, a full meat version um, for a more Western palate would make sense. So Lisa, you earlier mentioned how there are many different versions of sweet and sour pork from all over China. But when we look at restaurant menus, whether it's in Hong Kong or in the UK or the US, sweet and sour pork usually refers to gulo yok. So why is the Cantonese version the most common one? It's largely due to the generations of Cantonese people who have found a new home in Western countries. In the 1840s and 50s, there was a gold rush in California, which attracted immigrants from all around the world. Most of them were Chinese immigrants. 
And in the 1980s and 90s, many Hong Kongers who were concerned about political instability moved to countries like the US, UK, Australia and Canada. The handover is done. The ceremonies and celebrations over. A century and a half of British rule in Hong Kong is simply history tonight. China is in charge now. Has the dish evolved even more then after it made its way to the West? It has. Someone who can give testimony to that is Wendy Ho. I moved to the UK with my husband in 1973. Wendy had migrated from Hong Kong to the UK with her husband in the 1970s, and the first job she found was in the kitchen. I was responsible for most entry-level chores like peeling potatoes, but I was also keen to learn how to cook. A couple of years later, Wendy had a daughter and she couldn't take care of her while working as a kitchen hand, so she decided to open her own business. I bought a fish and chip shop and added Chinese food to the menu. Fish and chips and Chinese food? Yes, her shop sold the British classic fish and chips with curry sauce, as well as sweet and sour pork. These kinds of British Chinese takeout shops were actually quite common back in the day. And if you think about it, it makes sense because fish and chips and sweet and sour pork are both deep fried foods. I'm sure you know this already, Sam, but the British like to coat their fish in batter before frying. So Wendy did the same with her pork. She dipped the slices of pork in a batter, then deep fried until it was crispy. Meanwhile, chefs in Hong Kong didn't use a batter. As for the sauce... To make sweet and sour sauce, chefs in Britain would combine lemon, garlic, ginger and tomato puree. That's because they didn't have access to Chinese ingredients, like Chinese vinegar. Wendy experimented a bit more with the ingredients and she ended up adding hawthorn berries to her sauce. And instead of stir-frying it with the sauce, it was served separately. Remember that they were serving this at a fish and chip shop. Mm. Wendy's daughter Susanna mentioned how everything they served was for takeout. If you added a sauce to something that was fried, it all gets soggy by the time your customer eats it at home. So the sauce was more of a dip. Also, Wendy didn't just serve sweet and sour pork. She also served sweet and sour chicken. Chicken? Why chicken? Susanna said people in the UK prefer chicken breast more than pork. Probably because it's leaner and healthier, and it doesn't conflict with their religious dietary restrictions. For the pork, they would slice it into strips, but the chicken, they shaped it into balls, so when they fried up, they would kind of resemble chicken nuggets. Some of our listeners have probably never heard of sweet and sour chicken, but Wendy and Susanna said that their fried chicken balls were actually more popular than their sweet and sour pork. Whoa. I totally understand how, you know, shaping it into chicken nuggets would appeal to the general public. I mean, who doesn't like a chicken nugget? Absolutely. But doesn't McDonald's serve chicken nuggets with sweet and sour sauce? <laughs> it's Fair actually point. true. Wow. Right? What came first, chicken oh. or the egg? <laughs> the chicken or the sweet and sour <laughs> the sauce. <laughs> Introducing Chicken McNuggets. McDonald's new McNuggets. A McNugget is a boneless chunk of tender tasty chicken with four kinds of sauce to choose especially for dipping. Barbecue, sweet and sour. Cause you deserve a break today. In 2017, Wendy and Susanna moved back to Hong Kong. 
My daughter and I had a lot of friends in Hong Kong who said they really missed British Chinese food. So we opened up a restaurant that encapsulates British flavor, giving our customers a taste of nostalgic British Chinese food. Their restaurant, 1908 BC, is the first British Chinese restaurant in Hong Kong. And for a full circle moment, 1908 BC serves fish and chips with curry sauce, as well as fried chicken balls with sweet and sour sauce. Did you ever go to um, British cuisine, 1908 or 1908 no, British cuisine? No, sadly not. Um, the sweet and sour chicken ball was actually quite palate friendly. I gotta say, like every, everything you like about having McDonald's nuggets, but you feel like it's made with real, real food. Real chicken. Mm. <laughs> no pink goo there. I really didn't mind it. Like, like I said, like you know, thinking about it, I was like, mm, I don't mind that. <laughs> because when you have sweet and sour pork, it's a bit gnarly. Like sometimes the cut could be a bit gnarly. Whereas the deep fried chicken bowl, you know, you're just going to chomp your way through it. So it's mm. a lot more satisfying. And again, like I said, compared to McDonald's chicken nuggets, like it's real food. Mm -hmm. So you do get some meat flavor in there too. To make it consistent, are they, they're basically uh, grinding up chicken into a mince and then making it into a bowl? Yeah, like it's like minced chicken meatballs. Mm. And actually, Wendy and Susanna's sweet and sour sauce is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a connoisseur. I haven't tried all the different sweet and sour sauces there are, but there's a certain freshness to this. I think like the freshness, does it come from the Hawthorne? Because that's actually quite a traditional component of a classic sweet and sour sauce. Yeah, and she also uses um, fresh fruits to Ooh. like strawberries or uh, yeah nothing that plums. yeah because <laughs> you got a lot of chefs these days you know replacing the pineapple in the sweet and sour with like Japanese strawberries and selling it for a much higher price <laughs> you know what I enjoy that they replace it with the young ginger oh. that like you know adds a little bit more of like a heat and spiciness mm. to it that I like more than pineapple. Mm. That could be my personal palate because I just, I taste the pineapple enzymes a little bit more differently mm. to other people. Lisa, coming back to the actual name of sweet and sour pork, why is it called gulouyou? Because tong um, pai guat makes so much more sense since it literally translates to sugar, vinegar, spare ribs. So where did the name Gulo actually come from? Well, when the sweet and sour pork first arrived in Hong Kong in the 1950s and 60s, the manual laborers who worked alongside the harbor were derogatorily called Gulei. And because they were always on the move, their diet consisted of a lot of meat, one of which was combining meat with a sugar vinegar sauce. This dish became known as Gulei Yok. On the other hand, remember how I said Cantonese chefs started using boneless pork shoulder instead of spare ribs when Westerners didn't want to spit out bones? Well, some people started calling this dish in another derogatory way, which means white man meat. Perhaps to make the dish sound more politically correct, they kind of changed the sound of it from and to just with not particularly meaning anything. Hmm. I gotta say, Charmaine, do you remember growing up in Chinatown that there was a time that ordering sweet and sour pork when you go out for dinner was a no-no? Because that's a guai lou choy. Yeah, it was like uh, a dish that only 
white people would order. Yeah, like, you know, it's like, you know, it's not a real Cantonese dish. You know, that like, that is actually something that I, I ended up learning later in life because I grew up having it all my life. And, and mom it was, liked it, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's funny how there are two different sides to this because we grew up eating, I guess, our authentic version of Cantonese sweet and sour pork. And it never occurred to me until much later in life, like when I moved to the UK, that this dish was actually considered the Western choice. <laughs> yeah, like when, when I grew up, and like you wouldn't order it because it was like considered something that it was used to fool Westerners, that it wasn't authentic. Like, you know, if you knew your stuff and you're out there with your family for a Chinese dinner, you're going to get the sugar, vinegar, spare ribs. You're not going to get the, you know, this bastardized version of it. But then eventually things did change. We have reclaimed the sweet and sour pork. <laughs> I think we have. I mean, like, we love it in Hong Kong. So, you know, going back to something you said earlier, it's interesting how sweet and sour pork was originally eaten by emperors, but it eventually trickled down and became popular among the working class. Right. I think it's because the dish is so easily adaptable. You can basically use any kind of meat you want. Heck, you can even use chicken instead of pork, right? So Chinese people, they wouldn't really touch what is today sweet and sour pork in Hong Kong because they saw it as inauthentic and kind of like fooling the guaylo, the white people. But now it has been accepted. How's that happened? And, and when did that happen? That's very interesting because it's best illustrated by Chef Cam Fu's story. Um, he's from The Demon Celebrity, and he used to be a private chef to a lot of tycoons in town, most notably the Lamb family. So I think in the 80s and 70s, a lot of Hong Kong students went overseas, right, especially to the UK, US and Australia, and they had sweet and sour pork. In their, like, student days, it's cheap, it's convenient, and it kind of reminds them of home, right? So they came back to Hong Kong with a hankering for it. And Peter Lam, Hong Kong tycoon and son of a Hong Kong tycoon, which Chef Fu was working for at the time, and he said he came home one night and he was hungry and he asked for dinner, but he didn't prepare anything. And Peter asked for um, sweet and sour pork. Now, Chef Fu didn't have anything in his kitchen that was thawed. He only had like a block of frozen pork, and he said he sliced it into very thin slices. Oh, so he didn't have to wait for the whole slab to thaw out? He just got the, the, yeah. the thin slices? And he made it into sweet and sour pork oh, for him. Oh, clever. And what happened was um, Peter Lamb said, look, even Chef Foo's, like, you know, sweet and sour pork is particularly different. Like, you know, it's so thin and crispy. And because of that, that became Chef Foo's signature dish at Demon Celebrity. And then it became a dish that was served to tycoons. Wow. What an arc. This dish has, it's been all over the world and back again. Uh, it's been eaten by emperors to coolie laborers and now everybody, including the middle class. And it's gone under near countless iterations. For me, growing up, sweet and sour pork being at the center of what I thought was Chinese, authentic Cantonese cuisine. When, when did you have your first uh, so-called authentic Cantonese sweet and sour pork? Was it when you moved to Hong Kong? Uh, authentic in my own eyes would have been when I was a kid growing up, but authentic uh, as in Truly authentic, yeah, it definitely would have been when I came to Hong Kong. So in the last uh, five years. Um, so I just think that it's a really interesting thing that a lot of people probably listening who love 
Chinese food, you know, the British Chinese food has become its own cuisine in its own right and as Australian, North American, and it deserves its respect, of course, but it is quite far away from its roots. I'd like to think of it as an evolution. I don't think we should like nitpick this one in particular for authenticity um, because the authentic one would be the one with bones Mm -hmm. made with vinegar and sugar, right? Um, I think the sweet and sour pork that we've all grown to love our versions wherever we came from, it is what it is. And we should just all embrace it because it is what's known as Chinese food and it's what it's turned into. And I, I think we should just all love whatever versions that we mm, love. Agree. It's, it's like the beauty of this dish is that it does have so much room for maneuvering. You know, you can have this super fancy Iberico pork Japanese strawberry, and that's great. But you can also have your British takeaway version that, you know, that has brought me so much comfort as a student in cold, bleary London. (laughs) And it's just a wonderful dish that has so much meaning for so many different people. And it's fantastic. It is sweet and sour. It's kind of, you know, it's what life is. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and combined, it can... To be had with some hearty bowl, with a hearty bowl of rice. Oh, yeah. I love my sweet and sour pork in a pineapple. I just think that's delightful. <laughs> I think you've been very much indoctrinated by your mom. I know, the pineapple. It's all about the pineapple. Peppers, yeah. peppers I'm, you know, ambivalent about. All right. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Eat, Drink, Asia. If you want to learn more about the sweet and sour pork, we have a feature and a video version that you can find on scmp.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.